the hymn, How Clear Is Our Vocation, Lord. Okay, two things prompted Fred Bratt Crean, who lived all the way up to the year 2000, to write this hymn. First, he was asked to write a new text for a tune called Repton by Hubert Perry, who died in 1918. About the same time, the University United Methodist Church of Austin, Texas, was seeking a new hymn on the theme of vocation. And Green drew these two threads together and produced How Clear Is Our Vocation, Lord. The topic of vocation is one that is found in the ears particularly of Lutherans. In the medieval church, a vocation was a calling to withdraw from the world into a religious order, like a monastery or a nunnery. Martin Luther, however, applied the term to secular society. For him, it was a call to serve one's neighbor in the world. Whereas the medieval church viewed good works as a means to appease God's wrath over sin, Luther taught that the good works resulting from one's vocation were the fruits of faith in Christ and a witness to that faith. So we're going to be taking a look at this particular hymn in light of the fact that it is the hymn for this coming Sunday. So, Pastor Mark Smith, are you that aware of this hymn? Uh, you know, I I remember we talked about it before. You know how I remember that? No, I don't, because we didn't talk about it ever. Yes, we did. And I'll tell you what, what, what jarred my memory, the word skein in the second verse. Well, we'll be getting to that, but the fact yeah. is, this is the first time I've ever done this on this radio program. You really think so, huh? Well, I, I just because remember talking about that that word, yeah. I taking a look at the, uh, th that word could appear maybe in another hymn or something. Perhaps, but I haven't seen it before. I had never gone through, uh, the, the work I'm looking at was not underlined or anything, so that uh -huh. was... Uh -huh. And I'm really unfamiliar with how this tune works. Yeah, I am too. I yes. wish I could hear the t how the tune goes. Yeah. But you know, I, the first thing I look up, I look up the name of the tune, and I, I look in the indexes to see if there's any other hymn that has the same tune. And this one, I think, uh, is this is the only one with this tune. Uh, no, there is another one, but I can't remember what it said. Um. It, so I, I, found, I found your I found your introduction, and the reason why uh, Fred Green wrote this hymn, I found that very interesting. That he had two yeah. reasons behind it. Right, and one of them was the United Methodist Church who wanted to talk about vocation. Now, our membership often thinks that we're talking about vocation. V-A. <laughs> so how do, you dis how do you distinguish between the two words, Mark? Well, vocation is our, our calling, our calling in life. Voke, you know, voke is, uh, you know, a derivative of words like vocal or, uh, um, 
are to be called to do something. We, the Latin to, is the Latin is vocara. Yeah, to call. right. To call. And so all of us have different callings. How right. many do you have? Well, I've I've got several right off the top of my head. Of course, I'm I was a pastor. Now I'm called as a vacancy pastor. Um, I'm also a father, uh, a husband. Uh, those are just a few of them. Were you never a son? Yes, that's another calling, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's very important to understand. And I found it interesting, because I hadn't realized this, how Luther changed the view of vocation from getting outside of the world into a monastery or nunnery, and instead it is what you do within the world, that God assigns various vocations to you, and each one has a different responsibility. Yes. For, for example, if I'm a pastor and uh, let's say we, we used to have Sunday school in the church, uh, the opening, and some of the kids were running around and maybe running up to the altar. If they were my child, I would be able to say and do something different than if they were not my child. I would contact the parents also to make sure that they kept their children in control. And so as a father, I had one responsibility, but as a pastor where the children were not mine, I had to relegate that responsibility to their parents. Yeah, that's very, yeah, that, that, that shows a sensitive side of you, Tom. Uh, I would have thought that you'd, You'd yell at those kids yourself, but <laughs> but you have you have better judgment than that, and realize no, that's really the parents. You need to talk to the parents and encourage them to corral their kids a little bit better. Yes, because so, because you don't want to harm. You know, you you certainly don't want to harm the relationship that you have with those kids as their as their pastor. In fact, that's really important for a pastor to understand that there are certain decisions that he is not to make in the congregation, but allows the voters assembly, the board of directors, the elders, et cetera, to make those decisions. Now, I, I don't know about you, but as an interim pastor of four congregations right now, I usually rely on the congregations making decisions and don't interfere with what they want to do. Whereas if I was a full-time pastor, and the call pastor there, not the interim, I would be making some changes, but I don't see that as necessary, allowing the lay people to, to make some of those decisions. Yes, I understand that, and especially when you've got four congregations that you're, you're somewhat looking after, uh, you, you really have to rely on uh, the lay leaders in those congregations to, to do a lot of that. And we've got some great ones in those four. You know, I, I really feel bad for those pastors who really get depressed in the congregations they are in. I've never been depressed. I'm not saying every congregation is perfect, but you just have to realize uh, as a pastor, and you should as a Christian, that you're dealing in the world of Satan. And so, yes. therefore, don't be surprised when certain things 
may take place that gives you uh, a hint of depression and just rely on the promises of God instead. That is so true. Satan would love to get the pastor down. And, uh, yeah, that is so true. That he really works on you. And you've, you've, you've got to just remember why you're there. Keep the main thing the main thing. I know one of the problems we're having, in fact, all the churches are, are getting new pastors. I uh, just read a email I got about the ELCA, E-L-C-A, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, and they had done a study on women pastors. And what really surprised me right now, at their seminaries, they have more women becoming ordained than men. Really? Isn't that interesting? interesting? Yeah, that is very interesting. No wonder they're falling apart and moving away from the Word of God, because any woman who thinks she's a pastor is following Satan's uh, rule rather than God's rule. Mm -hmm. And so we ought not be surprised that those congregations are closing down, shrinking, etc. So we'll see what happens there. But let's go on with the hymn, if you would do stanza one. Okay. How clear is our vocation, Lord? How clear is our vocation, Lord, when once we heed your call to live according to your word and daily learn, refreshed, restored, that you are Lord of all and will not let us fall? How do we know we will not fall? He's, he's given us that promise. He, he's told us that the very gates of hell will not prevail against his church, for one thing. Excellent. And, uh, and we know that the Holy Spirit gives us the promise uh, that the Holy Spirit will keep us in the one truth saving faith. Well said. Well said. No doubt about that. Now, very simple question. Is this a hymn about following our vocation to be justified, or is it a hymn about sanctification? I, uh, boy, that's, a, you know, that's a fair question. Uh, I would say sanctification. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm, I, I'm saying sanctification, right? Yes, because listen what it says. When once we heed your call, an unbeliever yes. cannot heed the call of That's God. That's right. Yeah, that makes it very plain, doesn't it? And to live according to your word. You know, I'm doing a study on, of course, the book of Proverbs by Solomon. And all the way through there is the distinction between the fool who follows Satan, like a woman pastor, and the believer who follows Jesus Christ, like Christians who have been justified already. So remember when I said that Luther had changed the medieval point that these fruits of vocation are a result of our being totally saved, not as a way of becoming saved. That's right. Yeah, they're a response, not, not uh, something that we... Uh do to to earn our salvation. Yes. Like we can't earn it. If there's one problem many pastors are saying that they have, 
is that it's it's difficult at times to get volunteers from a church to do something. Have you experienced that also? Oh, I think, yeah, in, in my 40-some years of ministry, I've seen it. I, I can't say I see it right now uh, uh, in the, the church that I'm serving, uh, which is seeking to call a pastor, and I'm, I'm a vacancy pastor there. They, there are a lot of people that they come forward. They realize they have to step forward and, and fill the gaps. And, uh, oh, I imagine some of the lay leaders find it a little difficult to get uh, uh, volunteers. But, but really, for the important things, people do step forward. Yes. Do you have a full list of officers that have been elected, or are there some that some openings that are still there? Uh, it's it's fairly full. That's good. Yes. Yeah. When you're in an older congregation, sometimes you know people who are retired, etc., they hesitate to take on the task of saying being on the board of finance the board of missions the board of evangelism the board of elders etc and so that's always good to bring in new people all the time yeah so that's our vocation namely whatever calling you have and it can change from time to time uh, because as you said you have a different calling as a son and as a father and uh, are you a grandfather yet? Oh, yes. Yeah, I've See, got two grandkids. Yeah. Yes. We're doing a baptism Sunday, and I think he said he has 11 grandchildren. And you know what I felt sorry for? <laughs> Who? Christmas. Who? You know how oh, many Oh, at Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a joy. Yeah, that's I a know. joy, is the Christmas shopping. Yeah, uh, because you you live vicariously through those kids. Yeah. I remember my wife used to tell me when we get into Christmas shopping. Now, Mark, remember we're shopping for the kids. <laughs> yeah, it, it's fun to it's fun to go through those uh, aisles of toys and things again. You know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, when my kid was one year old, I bought him a train set. Oh, and boy. <laughs> Louise knew I bought it because I wanted to do it. <laughs> he had no idea how to put the tracks together or anything. You, you mean you bought only one, Tom? <laughs> no, I ended up buying a number. Of, in fact, we had a whole ping pong table filled with them. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but I, I don't do it anymore. In fact, I have a member at one of the churches that keeps giving me his magazines on railroads. It's amazing what people do in their basement. Oh, I know. So I'm going to yes. try and get them together and show them to him because he says if they're old enough, they're really worth something. Oh, and sure. You bet. In our world. All right. Yeah. Stanza two. All right. But if forgetful, we should find your yoke is hard to bear. If worldly pressures fray the mind, and love itself cannot unwind its tangled skein of care, our inward life repair. Now, see, I would have pronounced it skein, because oh, E-I in German, but if you look at the bottom of the page, that's right. That's it even right. tells you how to pronounce it, and you did that correctly, but yeah. who cares how you pronounce it? What does that word mean? You know what it means? You know what a skein is? It's a coiled, tangled, 
wrap of thread or yarn. Really? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, coiled up. You know, if you coil up and tangle up a, a, a thread or, or, uh, or yarn, that's a skein. Yeah, I had that problem with a rope that I had put in a box, and, boy, it took me a while to untangle it. Yeah, that's same kind skein. of thing. And so what's it talking about? That um, love it's itself cannot unwind its tangled skein of care. It's a good mean? picture because sometimes our life gets that way, and uh, you know we have so many loose ends, and we get we let those things get to us. Uh, you know, some people like to have everything in its proper place and order, and we don't like these loose ends of our life. And but if we've got if we've got God's calling for us in mind, that helps tremendously. We we uh, we you know we we know what His calling is. We don't let these tangles and skeins di- di- distract us. Right. So it becomes a situation where love itself sometimes cannot untangle your problems. Right. And so what you need is. Uh, God repairing your inward life. Right. And he, he does that because he makes a promise that all things will work together for your good, as well as those right. promises that you were mentioning earlier. Excellent. So, Romans eight twenty eight. right. Yep. All right, I'll read three. We marvel how your saints become in hindrances more sure whose joyful virtues put to shame the casual way we wear your name and by our faults obscure your power to cleanse and cure. Now, can you give an example of how that happens according to this verse? Well, I understand what it's saying. We marvel how the saints... uh, their joyful virtues. You know, they approached life joyfully. They didn't let they didn't let the the, the skeins and tangles of life get them down. And uh, they sometimes the, when we look to the saints uh, and we try to emulate their lives, they put to shame the casual way that we wear your the wear. You know, we we take some of us are too casual in wearing the name of Christ. Uh, what does that mean to wear your name? Well, we bear the name of Christ ever since our baptism. Everybody, people look to us uh, if they know we're Christian. We we need to remember that that uh, people people know we're Christian sometimes unbeknownst to us, and uh, how we approach life is is an important witness to them. I think a good way of understanding wear your name would be the second commandment. Yeah. Do you remember that one? Oh. <laughs> My, Thou okay. shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Right. And then Luther's explanation is very good. We yes. should fear and love God that we, what? That we uh, we should fear and love God that we may not curse, swear, use witchcraft, wa- lie, or deceive by your name, but... but uh, Hold it sacred. Hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Yes. And Luther really shows ways in which we do not wear his name properly. 
every time I'm looking at movies, but I was just looking at one of two detectives, I kind of liked them, but it was clear uh, they were dealing with a uh, priest and the priest was doing a sermon on Jesus and such or a funeral. And it was clear that they did not believe in God. They believed in evolution. And one of the persons they had to arrest was a man who had killed a woman because she wanted to marry another woman. And I'll never forget what they said. They said to the murderer, you know, times have changed and you need to be up with the times. I'm looking at the movie and I'm saying, well, maybe times have changed, but God has not. That's right. Of course. And and so that's what we're living in. We're living in a world where members of the congregation are really having difficulty in trying to get across to other people how to properly use the name of God and worship him and live a proper life. Okay. If you want to go on to stanza four, please. Okay. In what you give us, Lord, to do, together or alone, in old routines or ventures new, may we not cease to look to you, the cross you hung upon, all your endeavored done. All now, you how does, done. How does a Christian do that? Namely, how do we follow God by looking at the cross? What does the cross do for us? Well, we understand how he loved us, how much he loved us, how much he did for us. And, uh, you know, every our complaints are... Um, all, all, all of these things fade into insignificance. They pale into insignificance in the face of the cross. Excellent. It says, and what you give us, Lord, to do together or alone, what would being together or alone refer to? Well, it's talking, it's talking about what we do as individual Christians and as the church. That's yes, how I took I think it. The, I, I think you're right on that. I think that together doesn't refer to working with the Lord it refers to working with other Christians. Mm-hmm, right. And because it says, whether we're doing it together or alone, the next line, may we not to cease to look to you. And boy, is that not what a congregation does. Remember we talked last time on, on the phone we talked about that we are to welcome strangers, the poor, the lame, the blind, etc. And I had asked you, how many times do you do that in your home when you have a party? And don't invite your relatives only, but them. And of course, we have to think that this is talking about not just our houses, it's talking about the church. Yes, that's right. That I suppose that is welcome. That last... That last stanza really gives a pitch for having uh, the crucifixion visualized somewhere in the sanctuary, doesn't it? Either by stained glass window or or by uh, a hanging okay, crucifix. When you say crucifix, a lot of people think you mean the cross. No, you I mean, mean Jesus on that. the cross. I mean, yes. yeah, I mean the right. 
That, Jesus, that's very the depiction important. of Jesus on the cross. Yes, uh, I collect pictures of Jesus, uh, especially on the cross. We got one that we were looking at at the office I have, and it was kind of interesting. The the nails went through the palms of the hands, uh-huh. whereas they actually went through the wrists. That's what we that's what we think, right? Well, that's what they've discovered in archaeology and how people were crucified, because the palms right. just wouldn't be strong enough to keep you up on the cross. No, that's and right. There were a couple I had where there was a nail in each foot. Yeah. Now, do we know how the feet weren't they together when they were crucified? Uh, well, you know, you never hear Jesus say, look at my hands and my feet. But, um, but. Well, I, even if he said that, there would be nail prints in both feet. Right. Yeah. yeah. Although I have seen him, I haven't, I've seen him depicted where one foot was nailed on top of another. That's right. That's how I usually have thought about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I sure appreciate your help in looking at how clear is our vocation, Lord. Pastor Smith, you made it clear, especially that one word you could remember, skein. Thanks so much. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we'll be examining again a portion of Proverbs. Join us to hear how God desires us to follow our vocations. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.